0: Calendar here, It is Friday for me. Uh, I will not be here tomorrow because there's a basketball game being played, uh, and we are carrying that game. And so the game uh, is going to start at new- – well, the pregame starts at 11, tip-off at noon. So uh, they have conveniently uh, scheduled it for the duration of my program, so I will not be here tomorrow. And then the day after that, uh, I'm going to go celebrate some Puritans. And by like uh, engaging in one of the seven deadly sins, and then uh, Friday um, recovery mode. Yeah, probably. I think so. Yeah, just so I'll see you again on Monday. Well, I won't see you actually, and you won't see me either. That would be weird, but you'll you'll hear me. I'll be back Monday. Um, the most watched. Race in the election of 2024? House District 105. Oh, sorry, hang on. The most watched legislative. Okay, so that's a little bit different. Right. So, legislative race is going to be House District 105 right here in North Carolina. This is a state house race. Why? Well, there are a lot of people in House District 105, a lot of Democrats. Who are salty? They are very, very angry at one of the candidates who is going to be running. Who announced her candidacy? It is Trisha Cotham. Trisha Cotham made the announcement a couple days ago. Here, let's see, three days ago would that be uh, like Saturday or so? When was the 18th? Mm, yeah, Saturday. Yeah, Saturday. She sent out a tweet that said, quote, my home is full of family today. After our prayers and talks, I have decided that I will seek re-election to keep representing Mecklenburg County, and I look forward to meeting the voters of House District 105. Outrage ensued (laughs) on Twitter. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. You want to see the party of peace, love and tolerance? You just go check out the responses to Tricia Cotham's announcement, my word! Look, I said it when she, uh, when she flipped parties last year, right? Last year or this year? This year? Last year? Whatever. When she, when she switched, when she said, "I'm no longer going to be a, a Democrat. I'm going to be a Republican," and it gave the Republicans the supermajority in the House. They could then override Governor Cooper's, sorry, Governor Cooper's, Governor Cooper. Got to make sure I pronounce it right, Cooper. And Ray, a good friend Ray. It allowed the Republicans to now have a better shot at overriding his vetoes. And the Democrats, who a lot of them don't even live in our district, but they were outraged because now she was going to be voting with the Republicans, which, by the way, she would have done before which was always kind of an odd argument like they there was this uh, assertion that she should remain a democrat not switch party affiliation but you can't stop anybody from voting how they want to vote so would you have preferred she remain a democrat and vote with republicans on stuff because democrats do that there are a couple of them in the north carolina general assembly they come from more conservative-leaning districts, sort of the, the, the blue-dog Democrat archetype, you know? And so you would prefer that she stay a Democrat, go to your meetings, caucus with you guys, listen to what you're saying, hear your strategies, get planned, and then go vote with the Republicans? You That was your... No, 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 they said now what she needs to do is resign. So if you are going to... Flip parties, then you need to resign. Well, then again, why not just stay a Democrat and vote with Republicans? You you are allowed to vote your conscience. You are allowed to vote whatever way you choose as a lawmaker. But there was it was a clarifying moment on the left, one of many over the last uh, year, where you've uh, you've got a, a really good sightline now into. The importance of towing the line, right? We knew this with uh, my good friend Ray Cooper, the governor. He's got a long history of uh, exacting revenge on state lawmakers, you know, of, uh, of recruiting and then supporting and endorsing and primarying Democrats that are insufficiently loyal to his positions. Party loyalty above all else. What they what they were telling you is that. You ran as a Democrat, therefore, you need to vote with the Democrat Party on every single issue. They they will not allow for people to to break ranks. And I, I think that's a I think that's instructive. Trisha Cotham, who secured Republicans a coveted supermajority that enabled them to pass more than a dozen major bills over Governor Roy Cooper's vetoes this year, is running for re-election in the North Carolina House. The McClatchy newspaper's Avi Bajpai reports Cotham and Mint Hill Republican who ran from House District 10, uh, sorry, 112 in 22 as a Democrat confirmed on Twitter Saturday morning that she will run for another term in the House from the recently redrawn and more conservative-leaning House District 105. Still in southeastern Mecklenburg County, this area includes her hometown of Mint Hill, parts of Matthews. It leans Republican by a fifty-two to forty-five percent margin. Um, uh, Dr. Andy Jackson from the John Locke Foundation. He sent out a tweet on this saying no matter who runs against Cotham in November, this will be one of the most expensive and watched legislative races in North Carolina politics next year. House District 105 in southern Mecklenburg County is rated a R plus two. So it leans Republican by two points plus two. I said this when Cotham made the switch and she was getting all of the grief. I said, you have she has made enemies uh, of all of these Democrat voters and elected officials and donors and such. So you're going to have a really motivated base to come take you out if you run for reelection, but also you could get primaried by a Republican because you may not be sufficiently conservative enough for Republican voters in a primary. So, People were like, oh, she's doing this to secure her political future like she was doing it as a purely uh, uh, partisan political power move. You know, I I didn't see it like that because there's so much to lose. You're going to inspire an opponent. You're going to agitate the base. You're going to agitate donors against you. You know, you got a target on you now. They're going to be super motivated to come out and defeat you. Not to mention the the just the personal attacks that got amped up and look, I've been doing this for a long time, so at this point, like I barely even I barely even see the attacks, the personal insults and attacks that come at me all day, every day. I, I don't even realize it, like a fish doesn't know it's wet, you know. But for somebody who has not experienced that, and then gets you know full leftist rage turned up. To 11 and directed right at her and her family, you know, that could be intimidating and that could send you packing. So it's, it, it was never to me clear that this was done in order to secure a, a better political pathway. But we're going to find out, I guess. I'd be curious if any uh, Republican runs against her or if the party, the Republican Party, attempts to steer candidates away from challenging her in a primary whether it's a you know a thank you to her or it's a you know it's a tactical thing you don't want to uh you don't want to run through a primary and waste a bunch of money when you're going to need it for the general because it's just that district is winnable by democrats they can win that um Back to the News and Observer piece. Speculation about Cotham's political future began almost instantly after she announced in early April that she was switching parties and in the process delivered Republicans the minimum number of seats they needed to obtain a veto-proof majority in the House. But once again, you, you still have to vote for those things. You have to vote to override the vetoes. It's not like, oh, we got the magic number, therefore we override every veto. No, you still have to vote on things, and if you're trying to override a veto of something that she might agree with Governor Cooper on, sorry, Governor Cooper, um, then, you know, then her vote's not assured. When Cotham announced she was leaving the Democrat Party, she said she felt driven out by a lack of tolerance for dissenting views and increasing hostility, she said she felt, from some of her colleagues. Yeah, Democrat women from Mecklenburg, Notably. They didn't much care for her return. She used to be in the legislature. She came back. She knew a whole bunch of the lawmakers. And they they wanted to treat her like a freshman. They didn't like getting leapfrogged. Believe me, politics can be this petty. Really. They really can. All righty. So speculation about Cotham's political future began almost instantly, says Avi Rajpai from the uh, McClatchy Papers. It started after she announced in early April, so it was this year, that she was switching parties. When she announced, she drew the wrath of Democrats from all over the country. Republicans continue to receive Democratic support on some of the most contentious bills passed this year from a small group of swing-voting House Democrats. But Cotham joining the GOP ranks meant that in some cases the majority party could enact legislation on its own with no support from the minority. They overrode 19 of my good friend Ray Cooper's vetoes in the past session. But they did so, as the reporter here notes, they did so with other Democrats' support. It wasn't solely due to Trisha Cotham in all cases. Meanwhile, the Republican Party of North Carolina is calling for Democratic State Senator Lisa Grafstein to resign. Why? She doesn't live in her district. You got, yeah, you don't have you don't have to live in a district to run for it at the congressional level, but at the state level, you darn sure better live in your district if you are its representative. The legislature enacted new political maps, new redistricting maps. Oh, and they got sued. Yeah, I forgot to. Yeah, they they got sued already. Well, look, leftist lawyers got to eat too. Come on now. Lisa Grafstein, she's a, a state senator, and uh, when the uh, you know the census is done every uh, ten years, you got to d- redraw the uh, the legislative maps, and because uh, our legislature redrew them in 2020, and then got sued because that's what Democrats keep doing. It's just sue till blue, and. Um, they had to redo the maps, and then the Democrats on the Supreme Court were like, we're going to appoint some people, and they're going to draw better maps than you can draw. So then they, like, gifted a couple of House uh, congressional districts to the Democrats. and um, Anyway, so we had to redraw all the maps again. So now they've redrawn the maps, and now they're getting sued again. Uh, but Lisa Grafstein got double bunked, which means when you—you you know, you got two state lawmakers. It's her and um, Jay Shodery Chowdhury, Chowdhury, state senator, they're both in Wake County. And when they redid the lines, it turns out now they both live in the same Senate district. So they would have to run against each other in the primary. And by the way, this happened to Republicans who drew the maps in 2020. Sometimes just the population shifts and stuff and you end up double bunked with one of your uh, party mates. And so you can remember this happened to uh, Congressman Mark Walker, right? He, he didn't challenge, um, was it Richard Hudson, I believe? I forget. But um, this happens all the time. And so rather than run against Jay Chaudhry, Lisa Grafstein moved. <laughs> she moved to what will be her new district. Slight problem. She's a sitting senator. And she's now no longer representing the district because she moved out of it, right? You have to live in your district. And she moved out of it in order to be in this new district. That's a problem, right? You you follow? It's a problem. She recently moved to a new, more competitive district in Southern Wake County so she could run in an open seat without challenging an incumbent Republicans called attention to her move last week, saying Grafstein is violating the state's constitution by not living in the district she currently represents. Here's what they said in their press release. Following the passage of new election maps, Senator Grafstein announced she would seek election in the new Senate District 13. To qualify for that race, Senator Grafstein moved her primary residence, changed her registration to her new address in the new district and publicly stated these intentions on podcasts and in media interviews. In doing so, Senator Grafstein has disqualified herself from continuing to serve in the state Senate in the district she currently represents. Now, I had an idea, because you know me, I am all about solutions. So I had an idea for her. She should enroll in in a school in the new district. Or the old district at this point. Just like a college kid, yes. And then she could claim residency, whichever place is you know most suitable for her. Right? Just go back to college. I know she's got like all sorts of degrees at this point, but, you know, just, just make it look legit. And just get yourself a college ID. Now you'll be able to vote in that district or in the new district or whatever. With, So th- then they have a quote here at the uh, Axios.com story by Lucille Sherman. A quote from Representative Marsha Maury, who is also a Democrat. Um, I believe also, for, she's from Durham, I believe. And she's a former judge. And she said, quote, with total dedication, Senator Grafstein uproots her home, moves a few, because that's why she did it. It's to serve, don't you know? That's all. She has such a heart for public service. That's why she moved. (laughs) She moved her house. (laughs) She got a new house, moved her family, because she cares about you. She cares so much about being in the minority in the state senate to fight for you. That's why she did it. There's There's no personal gain here. I bet she didn't even make money on her house sale. Now the GOP cries foul over their own plan that backfired. North Carolina needs Lisa Grafstein in the North Carolina Senate. This is one of those things where it's like, is she really the only qualified person to run in this new district? I just I, I try to imagine the level of hubris required, right? To think that that you're the only one that can represent this district that's been newly drawn and you just moved into you're the one to do it nobody else right it's not uncommon that i think that's why a lot of times politicians say we have you noticed this this is a change it used like i remember barack obama used to say i i i i we used to make a joke and we would count the number of times he would say i during his speeches and it was a lot you do not want to do a drinking game with Obama doing a speech and you have the word I or letter I. You, know, you, don't, you don't want that. But somewhere along the lines, it now shifted and now it's we. We, 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 all the way home. But I don't, uh, like, I'm not voting for a we. I'm voting for a person. I'm voting for that one candidate, you know? And I think they say the we... In, or, in order to avoid the, the criticism that they're, you know, focused on themselves, it's all about I and me and that sort of thing. But it just, it's, I don't know, it always sounds weird. Um, especially when they use it in, like, the singular form. <laughs> you know, we decided, okay, you could talk, you know, you're talking about your family and this. When you say, like, we voted, no, you voted that way, you know? Anyway. It's not uncommon for members of the same party to be double bunked in legislative redraws. In the twenty twenty-two election, two Republican senators, I mentioned this was Ralph Heise and um Oh gosh, who was it? It wasn't Deanna Ballard. I forget who he got double bunked with. Uh Sarah Stevens? Maybe. I think that yeah, maybe. And they were both in Republican leadership. That just that's where the lines got drawn. And on the state legislative maps, there are actual constitutional um, parameters that have been handed down uh, in the courts and in the documents. And so you have to follow these provisions. And it it really does limit the amount of gerrymandering that you can do. Grafstein does not plan to resign, though, as Republicans have called on her to do, saying their request was, quote, weak and undemocratic. Wait, undemocratic? Do you mean like uncapital d democratic, like anti-democratic party undemocratic because like how is this any how is this any different when you're than what trisha cotham did you're flipping your party but you're 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 also you're moving into a different district but you're claiming to represent these other people wouldn't that be undemocratic she said quote their cynical tactics are reprehensible and undemocratic I look forward to continuing to fight for our public schools, our freedom to control our own bodies, and the ability of hardworking North Carolinians to take care of their families. Right. So the rules don't apply to her. Okay. That's the big takeaway there. The rules do not apply to Senator Lisa Grafstein. All right. Do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay. So what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply. camping and hiking supplies even because being prepared is just smart. Carolina readiness supply has 2000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency in Waynesville and always at Carolina com. veteran owned Carolina readiness supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? I've been an expert in submersibles, Ukraine, Middle East policy, but but now I am, I am now an expert in Argentinian politics. I didn't even see this one coming. I did not realize I needed to, to become an expert in this like everybody else has. Um, but thank goodness, I was not aware we had so many Argentinian political experts on social media uh, until this week. When uh, this guy, uh, Javier Malay, won... Argentina's presidential election on Sunday. He's a populist, according to the Associated Press, quote, swinging the country to the right following a fiercely polarized campaign in which he promised a dramatic shakeup to the state to deal with soaring inflation and rising poverty. All right, guys, I know what you're thinking. If this guy, this libertarian... In Argentina can do it. Maybe. We might see. A libertarian win in America. We're almost there. With the inflation rates. Right. It just takes like 140% inflation or so. And boom. Libertarianism. That's. I think that's how that happens. Millay. Had 55.7% of the vote. And the. Um. economy minister Sergio Massa had 44%. That, according to the uh, Electoral Authority, it is the highest percentage that a presidential candidate has received since the South American country's return to democracy in 1983. In the streets of Buenos Aires, drivers honked their horns, and many took to the streets to celebrate in several neighborhoods. Outside Malay's party headquarters, a hotel in downtown Buenos Aires a full-on party kicked off with supporters singing, buying beers from vendors, and setting off colored smoke bombs. They waved Argentine flags and the Don't Tread on Me Gadsden flag. They've adopted, yeah, his movement adopted the yellow Don't Step on Snakes flag. Yeah, they they took our flag. I'm totally fine with it. They're chanting Liberty. Well, the Spanish Libertad, I think. Yeah. But, um, and then, and they're also chanting, let them all leave, in reference to the country's political class. With a Malay victory, the country will take an abrupt shift rightward, and a freshman lawmaker who got his start as a television talking head, blasting what he called the political cast, will assume the presidency. Inflation has soared above 140% and poverty has worsened while Massa has held his post. So that's the economy minister. I mean, think about that guy, Massa. Massa, Massa, whatever. He's like the economy minister. And you've got 140% inflation. And you're like, yeah, I should totally run for this office. I could totally be president. The people love me. Again, with the hubris here. Of all the candidates, you're you you're the, you're the guy to do it. The economy minister. What else does Malay uh, run on? Uh, eliminating the central bank as a way to tackle uh, galloping inflation. And he wants to dollarize the economy. In other words, to use the dollar, our dollar, not only our flag, not, not only are they taking the Gadsden flag, the Tea Party flag, right? The Revolutionary War flag. It, not only that that they want want to use our dollar in addition to the Argentine currency uh, or instead of it. He wants closer relations with America. He espouses uh, several conservative social policies, including an opposition to sex ed in schools and abortion, which Argentina's Congress legalized in 2020. A local political consulting firm called Synopsis, Head, uh, headed up by Lucas Romero said, what is being expressed at the polls is the weariness, the fatigue, the protest vote of the major- uh, majority of Argentine, Argentines, Argentines. Right. So this. But, but this guy, like they're trying to frame this guy. He's like, Oh, this is Argentina's Donald Trump, which, oh, my God, stop seeing everything through the prism of Trump. OK, he's got crazy hair. That's it. Like that, like, that is the only, okay, and he's like a bit of a populist. But on their policies, this guy, he's a self-described anarcho-capitalist. He's like, he's libertarian. He, he pops off with, like, Milton Friedman and Murray Rothbard. Oh, yeah, it talks about, like, Ludwig von Mises, economists. Like, this is not, he's not Donald Trump. The libertarian moment may be coming. on the same lines? Jacob Chansley is running uh, in Arizona's 8th congressional district as a libertarian. That's the QAnon shaman. That guy, yeah. And there goes the libertarian moment.